Howdy, y'all. Did you know that you can ease aches, pains, and inflammation and arthritis with topical CBD? Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream provides immediate relief by combining the powerful regenerative properties of CBD with other active botanical ingredients. Each bottle of Cosmetic Hemp Pain Cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their patented water-soluble CBD. That ensures maximum absorption into your skin. Be kind to your skin. Head over to causemedicated.com and use the South of Scruffy promo code SOS20 and get 20% off of your entire order. Let's do the show. Welcome in, guys. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for turning out. My name is Ben Fields. This is South of Scruffy Podcast. I am the host of this podcast. It's mine. I got Zach Roskop on the show today. Zach Roskop is the owner-operator of Knox Brew Tours. Um, Zach uh, is a tour guide for brewery tours throughout the Southeast, throughout the state of Tennessee, Knoxville, Nashville. Zach's company is doing some awesome stuff. He's shining the light on local breweries and he is treating people to a really good time along the way. You'd think that having a guy like Zach on this podcast was a bit of a stretch because I've, I've tried to stick to artists and entertainers and, and you know, that kind of ilk, but I did a Knox brew tour with, with, with Zach uh, about a month ago with our company and uh, pop fizz and, I noticed that Zach was a beer professor taking us on a tour, but he was also like a, a stand-up comic and <laughs> an improv artist and a DJ, and then you know part psychiatrist when shit got off the rails. So <laughs> it was awesome to have him uh, into the shop to chat because he just gets it, man. He fits. He gets it. And I, I loved uh, chatting with him, and I hope you guys love hearing it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Roskop. Oh, headphones and everything. Yeah, you, you want to do those? It doesn't matter. Whatever they you help. want, man. Yeah, if it helps you. They help me. I can hear if uh, you know plane goes by. The or, cord or, goes on the left. Gotcha. There, have you ever heard of the band? Kate, have you ever heard of Caleb Holly? Uh uh-uh. He's just an artist, but somebody pointed something out to me in one of his music videos. And once they pointed it out to me, I couldn't unsee it. What is it? Every other scene that they show him in. Yeah. One scene, the headphones on the left, the cords on the left. And then the next scene, the cords on the right. Was that intentional? No. No, it's just a continuity yeah. issue. And it drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> Man, being in my my world, like, you get it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, stuff like that. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't That's do funny. it. Yeah, get, get your headphones on the right side. <laughs> yeah, drives me nuts. So I uh, I, I thought, man. I, I try. I, I try. I'm trying to keep this podcast and keep kind of a theme, not a niche niche theme, but like, you know, artists and entertainers and and all that. But when it, when we took a Knox Brew tour, when Pop Fizz came on a Knox Brew tour, I was like, this man's performing. <laughs> this is this is great. You got a stage every single day, and you've got uh, you know a captive audience, and and you got to keep them entertained, and that's not easy. No, it's not, and it's it's definitely challenging because the. Uh, your audience is different every time. Oh yeah. So if you think about if you're a, a bluegrass band, yeah, and someone books a bluegrass band, then they're expecting bluegrass music, and you yeah. sort of know going into it that your audience is looking for what you're providing. Right. With Knox Brew Tours, we know that the person hopping on the bus is looking for a fun time, is looking for something you know, hopefully to learn a little bit about beer. Right. But the demographics that I may have are all over the place. Because so many different kinds of people like craft beer. Absolutely. That's a good that's a really good point. A lot of people like craft beer. Obviously it's growing. Yeah. We have over eight thousand breweries currently in the United States. It's nuts. Uh, which is absolutely nuts. And the TTB, which is the license that you have to have in order to brew beer professionally, there's over 10,000 of those permits that have been given out. So even though we have eight thousand breweries, 
but 10,000 permits, that tells us that there's approximately 2,000 breweries in planning. Yeah. So okay. in the next two years, we still have potentially 10,000 breweries in the United States. That's crazy. I know. That seems like a lot. Yeah. And they're all different sizes or is the TTB license like for oh, just, just microbreweries? It doesn't matter if you are brewing one barrel professionally a year or a million barrels. It's just one TTB gotcha. license. Yeah. So I definitely feel like when I'm on the bus and in the brewery, that is sort of my platform, my stage to, to entertain and to yeah. educate these people. Really, my heart wants to educate them. Yeah. But my sort of spirit wants to entertain them <laughs> and knows that through that entertainment, that's the best way to make those connections, to, to, to educate them on the, on the craft brewing process. Yeah, you're learning and you're, you don't even realize you're learning. Yeah. You're I, just being entertained. Yeah, that's true. And I, 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 sometimes I feel like as a brew tour guide, you know, we control the music on the bus and that can create an environment for people. And so I feel like in one aspect of my job, I'm a DJ. Oh, yeah. And then when we're in the breweries, I tell a lot of jokes, you know, and sometimes, you know, I'll tell the same joke on every tour. And so I feel like a comedian, you yeah. know, because I'm trying to write these jokes. And there's lots of different ways. And you're reading these body, you're reading body language and you're watching people's reactions and you're gauging their interest. And I've, I've, we've hired guides before and I've told them, um, I can teach you beer. What I can't teach you to do is to read people and to gauge your audience and to, to change your performance to your audience, right? to make it the most beneficial or enjoyable or entertaining to them. So it's part theater, it's part stand-up comedy, it's it's part professor. Yeah, and part DJ, you know? Yeah. I, I love that you said that. I never thought about it like that as far as part theater, you know? Um, and, then there, and then sprinkle service industry on top of that. Yeah. Because to a certain extent, you know, these people paid for an experience, and you have to sort of cater to them a little bit yeah. to, to make sure that... Because when, when you're a band, it's like, this is what we do. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah. Here's with, our set list. Yeah. But with me, I can't just, I can't give the tour that I want to give or that I think I should give. I have to sort of give the tour that they want to receive, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And I use my experience and my skills and and my passions to try to tailor it around them. Yep. Which makes it kind of a, sort of this weird melting pot of, of entertainment, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. So, do you, do you have like a, a little like an a, an icebreaker routine where you, where you figure all that out? Where you, <laughs> you where like a litmus test? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, for a while, what we were doing was at the beginning of every single tour, I uh, would you know we'd go over the waiver, we would uh, go over the rules of the bus, we'd go over like the game plan, and then we do a little uh, icebreaker is kind of the right word where we go around the bus. And I ask everyone to give me their fake name for the next three hours. Mm -hmm. We say what happens on the brew bus stays on the brew bus. The best way to protect your identity and your reputation is to use a fake name. So if you, <laughs> if, if you give me the name Cletus, right. Yeah. And then later I'm talking about how crazy Cletus was like, yeah. no one knows who that is. Right. It's, it's, it never gets back to you. It's kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. I like that. And then I used to do this thing where I'd say, if you had to just tell describe your relationship status to beer, like how do you feel about beer on a romantic level? Yeah. What would your answer be? Yeah. And I got great answers. People would say, uh, "Lick bourbon's my main squeeze and beer's my side piece." I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite of that. You're the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another good answer was, uh, "I'm a chemical engineer. I convert alcohol into urine." <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer was always, um, uh, beer and I are high school sweethearts. Okay. I like that yeah, too. Yeah. And so a lot of people will be like, ah, beer is kind of like an old college buddy. We just hang out in the summer and Christmas, you know, yeah, or, yeah. and just all these different kind of answers. And that was always a lot of fun. And so does that help you like figure out your crowd and figure oh, absolutely. out? Absolutely. Yeah. It helps me realize how like kind of loose they are or how kind of maybe uptight they are, yeah. how creative they might be. It also gives me an idea of how into beer they are. So if sure. someone is like, someone's like, um, I'm married to wine and I talk to beer occasionally. Yeah. Right. That yep. helps me know what level they are. Cause it, we kind of, we kind of try to divide 
our participants up into sort of three categories, newbie, fan, and expert. Gotcha. And I, we have found that about 25% of our participants know very little about beer. Newbies. Yeah. About 50% are fans of craft beer. They they drink it regularly. Yeah. They visit breweries. They're in the know. They know what an IPA is. Yeah. And then about 25% are experts. Are those what hard ones to deal with? The people who know who think they know more than you? Those can actually be the most challenging. I bet. Uh, they tend to... Sometimes if they have a, a, a misinformation, they're really adamant that it's accurate, yeah. and that can. Be, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to correct you yeah. in front of the group here. Um, yeah. But sometimes you can make fun, uh, like in a good way, be like, okay, all right, this guy's going to take over and give the rest of the tour now, yeah, exactly. and then they kind of they then they feel dumb and they and they quiet up real quick. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's always fun to have a home brewer or someone that is in the industry on the tour because then you can kind of talk about some next level stuff. Yeah. And it's just good to make sure you don't do that in the group setting because then you're talking over people. Right. Right. So you kind of pull them aside and you do it, uh, you know, on the side, not in the whole full group yeah. kind of a situation. Have you ever had a bus full of, uh, experts? Oh yeah. How's that go? Usually. Um, it ends up sort of, they tend to, what they do is they tend to get really excited about, Meeting a brewer or someone that actually yeah. makes the beer. So they so when you guys get to the breweries, they get excited about. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they see a piece of equipment that they've either never seen before or they can't afford to use at yeah, home. Yeah. And they and geek out about. Yes, it. they geek yeah. out. Like the mash filter, you know, at yeah. Elkmont, we've got a brewery here in Knoxville that has a piece of equipment that is only in two breweries in the whole state. Yeah. And they want to see it. They want to touch it. They want to know how it yeah. works. They want to talk about it. And it's it's a lot of fun. So. I think it's good to kind of explain your whole, like the whole deal. What do you yeah. guys do? Okay. Right. What do we do? Yeah. So, uh, Knox brew tours, you know, uh, our short answer is where you're backstage past the local beer yeah. and the way we sort of give people an experience that is unique is by guided, giving them guided brewery tours to areas of the brewery that are not open to the public gotcha. and to share information with them that is also not readily available. Gotcha. So typically we'll pick people up, we'll get in a bus, we'll drive to three to four breweries, we'll taste beer throughout the entire tour, we'll go over the brewing process from grain to glass, we'll talk about the history of the brewery, the culture of the brewery, the uh, where the building used to be, I mean, the craziest yeah. kind of details, sure. anything that we can find, stories, um, and... Try to connect people to what's happening in that space. Right. And what's really fun about it is to see – so we have a brewery here. I'll just use them as an example in Knoxville called Crafty Bastard Brewery. Yeah. For every person on our tour who says that Crafty Bastard is their favorite brewery, there's another person that says it's their least favorite brewery. Yeah. And I actually love this because it proves two points. One is that beer is subjective. Right. And it should be. It's yep. personal. The environment, the music, the service, the beer, the glassware, the location, the parking, all of that is part of the experience. Yeah. And everyone has different preferences. And and so you I would encourage people to visit multiple breweries until they find the one that fits them the best. Yeah. The second thing is that people always assume or ask if we have too many breweries. But if each brewery is fulfilling, uh, think of it like a color palette. Okay. Right? Yeah. And if each brewery is a different color. Yep. Right? They're not the full spectrum. Yeah. Then they can all sort of belong and get along. And yeah, there's definitely some overlap. Uh but again, I like that imagery. Yeah. The color palette imagery. I mean, Crafty Bastard Brewery and Balter Beer Works couldn't be any more different. Right. But they're both breweries. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell, right? They're both yeah. fast food restaurants. <laughs> but they're couldn't very any more different. Yeah, they're different products. In a different format at a different time of day yeah. <laughs> to different people. Yeah. And so we we love to share and to, uh, and to expose people to the different colors of the brewing yeah. community. You know what I'm saying? Well, how's it going? How long have you guys been going or going on? And what's, how, what's the state of the union? <laughs> this, or we like to call it the uh, state of the Brunian. <laughs> ah, dig it. I dig it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I'm all about some puns, man. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a fun. dad. Yeah. I right. uh, got them all. Uh, we could probably do a whole episode on dad jokes. Yeah, so. we could. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so we are uh, in our fifth year. Okay. And we have we're just, this weekend we'll be running our 1400th brewery tour. Damn, which is crazy. Uh, our first year of business, we ran 60 tours. 
Okay. And the next year it was about 100, and the next year it was about 200. And last year we did just over 300 tours in 2019. Which That's is, a lot, man. That's amazing. <laughs> it's almost a, brew, a tour a day. It's trending the right direction. Yes. And it's really, really, really exciting. Um, and it's been so much fun. And Why'd you start it? Honestly, the, the short answer is the love of beer, the love of Knoxville, and the love of people. Yeah. And But the longer answer is... It was the summer of 2014. I had been traveling with a band for about three and a half years. We had traveled all over the U.S. and a little bit in Europe. It was a crazy wild ride. What would you play? I played. Uh, I was what we called a utility player. Uh, I played whatever I, I, we needed. Yeah. So mostly it was rhythm, guitar, and keys. Gotcha. But occasionally I'd play the bass or the cool. drums or just – I kind of – I was the least talented member of the band musically. But they couldn't do without you, man. They yeah, had to have you on the road. They had to have me on the road. <laughs> and I also, I was sort of the, uh, I, I liked the booking, the logistics. The, you did that part too. Yeah, like kind of the business. Kind of yeah, we, I collected the deposit yeah. and the money and sent the contracts. and yeah. like, So that was sort of my role. Well, um, uh, what was the band called? It was called Stereo Radio. Love it. Which is actually, those. that's actually a lyric from a Switchfoot song. Okay. Which I was a big fan of in high school. What kind of music? It was a sort of pop rockish, okay. kind of like kind of what's popular today. Yeah. But we were doing it before it was cool. And we were also sort of like in a pseudo like adjacent to the sort of Christian sector a little gotcha. bit. Gotcha. It was a it was a, accessible. You you could let yeah. your sixteen year old daughter or son listen yeah. to it and yeah. not feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And it it was what I called sort of like semi professional and that it was paying all my bills, but yeah. it wasn't putting money in the savings account yeah. and it wasn't enough money to like provide for, you know, a family or, or children. So it, that's what I mean by sort of pseudo professional. So it was the summer of 2014. The band came to an end. Yeah. Um, I actually had left college early to, uh, to play music. I moved to Nashville and I had great grades and I was a good student, but I felt like I, I felt like I had to try and go for yeah, it. Yeah. Go to, for the music dream. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to Pellissippi for two okay. years, transferred everything to Maryville College for sign language interpreting and deaf education. That's awesome. And was, yeah, and at Maryville College for one year. And then I left right before my senior year. Gotcha. Um, and then moved to Nashville? Uh, moved to Nashville, yeah. recorded an album, and started touring. Is that where the band was based out of? Um, no, we were Radio? based out of Knoxville. Okay. At that time, this was a different band. Okay. So. Uh, six months after recording this album, we went on tour and then the band broke up. Oh man! And then we moved back to Knoxville, got a new singer, started a new band called Stereo Radio. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and so it was the summer 2014. At this point, I'm 25, 26, 25 years old. Cool. Band things over, and I don't have a bachelor's degree, and it's like, what's next? Yeah, your credits away from a, yeah. from a bachelor's from Maryville <laughs> yeah. College. Yeah. yeah. And um you know, I went all in on the band thing. I mean, that was my identity. Who I dated was based on are you okay with me being a band? Who yeah. who I worked for? Are you okay with me being a band? Yeah. I even turned down uh someone asking me to be in their bride, like a groomsman at their wedding because I was afraid we'd have a gig. And that's how committed I was that's to, awesome. to playing music. Yeah. So here I am in the summer, and my identity is just gone. It's like... Because the band broke up. band broke up. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not Zach, you know, the band guy anymore. I'm like, what's next for me? Who, yeah. What do I do? And years prior to that, what, what's my next stage going to be? Yeah. Because I, I love to perform. Yeah. I wasn't a great musician, but I loved to perform. Yeah. And I mean, I would just do some crazy, crazy <laughs> shit, man. Just, I mean, I would, I, Mute Math was one of my biggest inspirations. And yeah. I, I would pour water on my friend, on the drummer's drum set and just beat the shit out of it with a drumstick. <laughs> I mean, it was like, that's it, part Blue Man group, too. Yeah. I, I like duct taped a, a strobe light to the bottom of a floor tom and attached it to a power strip that I could kick on with my foot. Like, I mean, just crazy stuff. Like, it was, oh man, little PT Barnum. Yeah. Game. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it was, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> And so uh, I was like, what's next? Um, I had wanted to start a brewery tour company years earlier. But at that point in time, we had two breweries in Knoxville, and they were both brew pubs. Yeah. And was that uh, uh, Smoky Mountain Brewery and Downtown Grill and Brewery? Yeah, Downtown Grill is what I was going to say. And then it was 2012 when Black Horse opened up. 
And so oh. now we have three brew pubs. Gotcha. But then shortly after that, Sawworks Brewing Company opened, which was our first non-food selling brewery. Which gotcha. We, there was a lot of in other cities, and that was sort of the beginning of the of the growth of craft beer. What year was that? Two thousand. They they opened in two thousand and thirteen. Okay, and then Sawworks did. Sawworks didn't did. they open as uh, Marble, Marble City, City brewery, yeah, brewery, and then they got su- or cease and desisted by a Marble, Marble Brewery in Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. who happens to be owned by UT alums. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's, that always seemed kind of like bullshit to me. That, yeah, that, that you could draw that so, draw that connection. Well, between between Marble Brewery and Marble City Brewery. So two things there. Thing one is I don't blame Marble Brewery for this because the issue isn't Marble. The issue is our trademark law. So if they didn't enforce that and then someone later did something worse, then they could argue, well, you didn't you didn't enforce Marble City. So yeah. why should you enforce this? Yeah. And that's kind of the frustrating thing is our trademark law says that things are protected. But you have to pay lawyers to enforce it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. You've got your logo protected and they're stealing it, but do you have $200,000 to sue them? Right. And so that's kind of like, that's the challenge there. But Marble also, so Marble did that so that they could protect future issues. Gotcha. And do you know those guys? I don't. Marble guys? No, but I don't. But that's one shady part of it a little bit was they sent a box truck of their beer to beard and beer market so that they could argue that their beer is being sold in the same market mm. in the same area. And mm. therefore there could be confusion to strengthen their case. Yeah. 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 Which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the beer business, right? The craft yeah. beer business. So, but, but with, with marble city, like after they had to change from marble city to, to Sawworks. Sawworks, it was, I don't know, man, it was, t- it was a, it was an uphill battle for them from day one. It felt like, yeah. So, you know, you would. They had a little bit of an advantage being the first production-only facility, and to have a tasting room that sort of captured the spirit of the craft beer community. But right. they had a lot of turnover, um, and you know, management I think was a can be a challenge, yeah. uh, especially in a newer business. And so that was tough for them. But but I am internally grateful for Sawworks and for what they did because I. It was the summer of 2014. I know I keep saying that, but like it's like a song lyric in my head, man. Um, and I loved craft beer so much. I remember my first craft beer. I remember going out and drinking my first pint. And it was like every time someone died or got married and I had to leave Knoxville for the funeral or wedding, I was just excited about what breweries I was going to explore in that city, wherever I was. And and I love people. I love talking to people and getting to know them and their stories and learning. And I have this deep love for Knoxville. And a lot of my friends kind of thought I was crazy. I grew up in West Knoxville and everybody couldn't wait to get out, you yeah. know, to move to Nashville or to move to Chicago or Atlanta or whatever. Right. But I moved downtown and, you know, my dad always said, there's people who look for greener grass and those who make the grass around them greener. And I, yeah. I wanted to be the second one and pour myself yeah. into a town that I felt like would, would sort of embrace that passion. Um, so you felt it was almost your purpose to, yeah. to kind of make the, the craft beer scene greener, well, the, the craft beer grass greener yeah. around you. Yeah. And, 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 on, and on top of that, I have to be really honest, like it was a pretty low risk situation for me. Yeah. I'm 25 at the t- at this point. No wife, no kids, no bachelor's degree. Like, what do I have to lose? I I did my my parents who owned restaurants and were very entrepreneurial helped me write up a business plan. And to start Knox Brew Tours was less than a new car. Yeah. So I'm like, what do I have to lose? A new, I mean, a new car. Well, I yeah. I can just buy a beater off Craigslist for 500 bucks and chase this dream. Of yeah. pursuing the love of beer, the love of people, and the love of Knoxville. And so um, I went to Sawworks first and said, hey, I've got this idea. Would you be interested? Because I didn't want to spend a penny right. if I didn't have a buy-in from the yep. breweries. So the first thing I did, actually, <laughs> this is so, uh, I guess, millennial of me. The first thing I did was I got an Instagram account. <laughs> um, and I followed all of the breweries in Knoxville. And I started re like retweeting and sharing and posting and promoting them, so that when I walked into the brewery and introduced myself, they would already associate me 
as an ally, as someone yeah, that an advocate. Yeah. That wanted them to be successful. Yeah. <clears throat> so I go to Sawworks, hey, I've got this idea. And they immediately say yes. Because they're trying to sell beer. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I go to Black Horse and Brandon's the general manager and Brandon and I have got a great relationship, but he had a lot of background in restaurants. So he was like, how is this going to help me sell more food? Yeah. You know, that was sort of his yep. focus was more on food at that yep. point in time. And so I convinced him a little bit that this would be good for their beer. And it's crazy to see how much Black Horse has grown in the last five years because their, I mean, their brewery just slowly took over that restaurant until eventually they couldn't have a restaurant there anymore and they had to relocate so it. So the brewery is still there? No, they actually moved the restaurant location to Gay Street and they're brewing out in a giant warehouse in Alcoa that's like 30,000 square feet. It's okay. pretty awesome. That is cool. Yeah, it's really cool to see their growth. And then I go to Smoky Mountain Brewery, which by the way, I was living in Bearden at this moment in time. So I knew that the Calhouns on Bearden Hill was actually responsible for a fourth of the beer production from Smoky Mountain Brewery. That was their original location in 1992. They bought a copper brew house and started Smoky Mountain Brewery, the Calhouns on Bearden Hill. So I go talk to the general manager, and he's like, okay, I'm interested, but what happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? What happens this, 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 this? And I was like, I don't have the answer to any of those questions. Right. And he's like, well, you know, figure them out and then come back to me. Did you? I did. I yeah. am so, so his name is Paul Melton. He's a really great man. He So he, he gave you the roadmap for yeah. for the questions to yeah. be able to answer. And I mean he made me he asked me questions I had never thought about. And I spent three weeks and I go back to him and I say, Here's the answer to all your questions. And he goes, Great. When are we gonna start? It's awesome. And uh bought a bus on Craigslist, took a class. Like a school bus? Yeah, went to Craig I went on Craig went to Lexington, Kentucky and bought this little uh miniature bus we you know yeah um and it, it, that had been converted into a hunting camper <laughs> and uh it had like a little microwave in it uh and i bought this bus off a horse farm and uh drove it through the middle of kentucky back to knoxville did you make it oh yeah barely really it had a cd stuck in the cd player yeah and it was uh Led Zeppelin's greatest hits. Spun it and, yeah. front to back. Oh yeah. And there's no air conditioning in this bus. <laughs> I've got every window down, yeah. you know, just rolling down horse farmville, you know, Kentucky. And it's just been a long time since I rock and roll. Dude, Bam. I bet you couldn't have wiped the grin off your no. face, man. You, you just started your business. You I got, was scared too, man. I was really, yeah. I was like, I can't believe you know, I was like Worst case scenario, I'm sleeping in this bus. Like I'll be, I won't be homeless. I guess you yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, my dad was following me because he drove up there with me to to look at these buses, and he's following me. And we we stop at this gas station, and my dad's like standing off in the far distance, smoking a cigarette, and he's got this puzzled look on his face. And I, I, I go, "What's going on?" He goes, "I don't want to tell you this, you know, because he just bought this bus." But the bus, the bus was, side note, the bus was completely white. It was painted all white. Yeah. And he goes, I don't want to tell you this, but it kind of, your bus kind of looks like a prison bus. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh. Like once somebody says something like that, you can't unsee it, you know? Yeah, yeah. He goes, I think you should put racing stripes on it. And I was like, Dad, that's dumb. I'm not going to put racing stripes on a short bus, you know? So I go home. I can't stop thinking about how to make this bus not look like a prison bus. <laughs> and... uh I p- took a picture of it on my phone, uploaded it to PowerPoint, Microsoft PowerPoint, because yeah. that was the extent of my graphic design sure. capabilities at that point. I, I got like a, a rectangle, uh, a red rectangle, a blue rectangle, and a red rectangle, and I put them on the 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 parts of the bus that kind of pop out. Yeah, you composited them yeah. over the over yeah. a photo of the bus. Yes, and you, you, yeah, you mocked and up your. I put racing stripes on the bus. <laughs> And I get a little, t- you know, text box, and I type knoxbrewtours.com and put it on the bus. And I remember looking at it going, holy shit, I'm about to put racing stripes on a short bus. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, I bought a can of red paint, a can of blue paint, and I drove over to my parents' house, and my dad said, what are you doing? I said, you mean, what are we doing? Yeah. We're painting racing stripes on this bus. Put your money where your mouth yeah. is, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and so it ended up working. And now, like, the red, the white bus with red and blue stripes is, like, it became our brand and our identity. And every vehicle we've purchased since has been yellow or maroon, and we've paid 
someone to paint it white and put stripes on it. So it's kind of, it's, it's become your mascot. Yeah, it has. We yeah. have uh, and your brand. Yeah. On our, on our backstage passes, we have a picture of that bus. Yeah. And, uh, and on our t-shirts, we have a picture of that bus. It's sort of become our, our mascot's a good yeah. word. And that <laughs> bus, uh, I actually named it after my aunt, Kathy. She passed away that summer oh, of man. breast cancer and Sorry. she, it's okay. You know, it's, it's life, right? Yeah. It's still sucks. Still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she told me that she believed in anything that I could put my mind to, I would be successful at. And so I named the bus in honor of her. It's awesome, man. And so, yeah, if you ever, if you ever on that bus, Kathy, the name's the bus is Kathy. There's a little plaque above the driver's head that, that says in honor of Catherine. That's cool. So it was a really special, that's really, really cool. special moment. Yeah. So you you said your parents were restaurant people and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and all that. Yeah. They uh, owned- what was that like? Well, growing up in the restaurant business uh, was interesting. Um, you know, we, uh, my parents worked 80 hours a week. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know how most people would ride the school bus home? Yeah. we I'd ride the school bus to the restaurant. No way. Yeah. And we'd get dropped Did off close-ish to the restaurant and yeah. walk to the restaurant, my brother and I, and do homework, you know, in a booth in the back of the restaurant. Or yeah. We'd sit at the bar, you know, and talk. To, the bartender Man. was kind of babysitting us a little bit and... It was an interesting experience. So your for parents sure. were hustlers. <laughs> yeah, man. And you were raised by bartenders. Yeah. <laughs> that explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, um, it's perfect. I remember we probably had six or eight Thanksgiving dinners like at the restaurant. Really? Yeah, because we were open. Because yeah. a lot of people would go out to eat on Thanksgiving. And, and um, it's so crazy. My brother was the back of house guy. Like I know he, your brother. Yeah, Dylan. We went to high school yeah. together. So yeah. he he was running the kitchen, he was cooking the food, he was he was always the back of house guy. I was always the front of house guy. You know, I was uh, always this makes uh, this I, one makes perfect this, sense. Knowing, knowing <laughs> yeah, both yeah. you guys, yes. You know, I was always greeting people when they walked in. Yeah. How was your meal? Is everything going okay? You know, uh, telling servers that they can't have a smoke break for another thirty <laughs> minutes. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, that's it. Just kind of worked out that way, and yeah. and uh, my parents uh, wanted me to do anything in the entire world except for own a restaurant. Really? Like that's that's they didn't wish that on my brother. You and I. somewhat fulfilled that, you know. That I wish. do. I feel like I have because, um, because we're in this. You know, not we're kind of in the service industry. Well, I was going to say you you still stayed in the service industry, which was a space that you learned a hell of a lot about. I'm sure as a kid, and we're comfortable in. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't yeah. follow exactly their their yeah. footsteps it was just a kind of ancillary knowledge that you grabbed up along the way that that let you go off in like another tangent yeah it it also helped when i approached the breweries in the early years to sort of know because most of them were brew pubs to know what it, their bartender was going through and their yeah. and their and, and, I to, see. and to be able to say okay we're going to bring in our own cups so the bartender doesn't have to wash 30 glasses right you you saw their pain points yes. you saw what their reservations would be because you could put yourself in their yeah, shoes yeah and so we re- relieved all of those issues yeah. in our first conversation uh which was, was that one of the questions that he, that, that yeah. were asked at yeah. Calhoun's yeah yeah at really? Calhoun's yeah. yeah and so you know it's kind of i just feel really kind of lucky and kind of pinch myself a lot. But, uh, but dude, I mean, on the bus, you've got this audience and I, I like to think of it sort of like, well, there's a couple analogies, but either arrows in a quiver or channels on a soundboard, but at Knox Brew Tours, as a, as someone who I feel like I am performing when I'm giving a tour, mm-hmm. I have all of these tools and I have to decide how much or little of these tools am I going to use to tailor this experience? So let's just use the soundboard analogy. Okay. Um, channel one is beer knowledge. Yeah. Channel two is music on the bus. Yeah. Channel three is jokes. Channel four is uh, trivia. Channel five is so on and so forth. That's why I asked the question about, do you do the, the icebreaker? Like, do you ha- somehow read the room and decide which one of those channels yes. you're going to deploy and or which you, group of those channels? And you want to try deploy? to get that information in the first five minutes. I was thinking that, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, what kind of, uh, is this more of a sing along kind of group or right. a dance group or like a, we're chilling group or is yeah. this, you know, do they like dad jokes or do they hate dad jokes? Do they want me to 
get into flocculation rates of different yeast strains or do they just want to drink beer and have a good time? So do you ever see it change? Do you ever see like, Oh, during the tour, during the tour, do you ever see that? Oh, they're beer snobs at the beginning. And at the end they're singing Lizzo. on Yeah, absolutely. That has definitely happened. Uh, And we've seen the opposite too. Really? I love it when someone gets on the bus and they're like, I'm a wine drinker. I don't really like beer. And then by stop three, they're the ones that are asking a thousand questions. And they're the ones that are like, I did not think I was going to like this beer. And I do. Those are like, as a musician, I remember you sort of live for those moments where like an encore or seeing someone sing every lyric to the song that you're performing or someone to come up to you after the show at the merch table and be like, you know, I went through a a difficult breakup and this song made my life easier. The equivalent of that for me now is when, I see someone connect with and see the culture of Knoxville beer and to, to have a beer that they never thought they'd like and to see it, them enjoy it and sort of see that joy and that connection. And you kind of see this light bulb go off. And I remember for me, when I fell in love with craft beer, it changed my life. I mean, my life hasn't been the same since. And I, and I just get so excited at the thought that that moment for someone else could have just happened on this tour because yeah. of our dedication and our passion to this to this craft and to this community and all the tools that we're using together to facilitate that experience for that Absolutely. Somebody. I mean, when you go to a concert, you're essentially going for an experience. And when you hop on the bus, we, it's the same thing. Yeah. And so our 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 instruments just happen to be bus a bus beer and access instead of drums you know guitar and keyboard yeah so put that you've put that band together pretty good (laughs) it's really i appreciate it's it's a sharp thing you've got going we do uh we do it's pretty i mean we're it's kind of it's a tight ship for sure how many people you got so there are eight people on our team but whenever i say eight people people are always like dang y'all are huge um i'm the only full full full-time person yeah we have a main guide and office manager who's almost full time, mm-hmm. and then we have a bunch of drivers and guides who, in my mind, there's full time, part time, and then below that, fun money time. Yeah, I've, most of our staff is fun, fun money. money. Yeah. They all have a main source of income, yeah. and this is something that they do to supplement their income, or because they like beer, or because they want to meet new people, or yeah. because you know I've got a driver who. Uh, him and his wife like to go to Disney World every year. Yeah. So every dollar that he makes off Knox Brew Tours, they put it in a Disney World fund. That's awesome. And so it's kind of cool to kind of be really able to cool. do that for people. You mentioned earlier that uh, there's a bit of a perception out there that Knoxville has too many breweries. <laughs> yes. Do you think that's true? Um. So I I always want to be a champion for Knoxville beer, obviously. Yeah. And so I. Probably am a little bit biased on my answer, but here's my evidence for why I think we're not there yet. Gotcha. One is, have you ever met an ex-craft beer drinker? Right? It's like, it's not really, it's not a fad. It's not something that you go backwards on. Mm -hmm. And this is like a weird analogy, but as a kid, I ate chicken nuggets, right? As an adult now, I prefer to eat, you know, an actual nice piece of chicken breast. Yeah. Now, do I still sometimes come home at three o'clock in the morning and eat chicken nuggets? Absolutely. <laughs> but it's no longer my preference or how I spend a lot of my money when right. I go into the grocery store. Sure. Someone tosses me a Miller Lite on the boat this summer. I'm going to drink the shit out of that Miller Lite. And sure. I'm going to love it and it's going to be delicious. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but it's not my preference anymore. I've grown to want a higher quality beer. And a higher quality taste and something that supports my neighbors and the people around me. And so for that reason, only 30% of the beer drank in the United States last year was craft. So there is this huge population of beer drinkers that have yet to discover craft beer. So you think the ceiling is nowhere near? No, not even close. Yeah. And think about this too. There were 6,000-ish 6,500-ish breweries pre-prohibition. In 1910, there was 6,000 breweries. And you said there's 8,000 now. Now. And our population is 10 times larger. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it seems like it's yeah, it seems like it's possible, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. The other thing is every brewery in Knoxville right now is making as much beer as they can. Really? And it's not enough beer. They're they're talking about expanding. They're they're looking at how to make more and how to get more beer to more people. And yeah. they're all crushing it right now. You know, and and lastly, there are several cities in the United States, even cities with comparable populations that have way more breweries than we do. Mm-hmm. And they're doing great. Yeah. I mean, the greater Asheville area has 60 plus breweries. Right. They ship a lot of it out though, right? They do, Well, you know, some of the bigger ones do. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I've always wanted to ask this question. Mm-hmm. I go to Germany or, or somewhere in Europe and every town has its own brewery. Yes. And that brewery serves beer to the whole town. They deliver it to your door yeah. in, a, in a case. And it's usually one or two styles. Yeah, they they have they have a dark and they have a light. Yeah, you know it's like yeah. McSorley's in New yeah. York or something. Uh, like that. I love McSorley's. Have you been there? Oh, I never go to New York and don't. Oh go my to McSorley's. gosh! Every <laughs> single time I go, dude. Last time I went to New York, I literally was not even going to New York. I flew into JFK and then had three hours to get to the other airport to Which fly one, to Spain. Which one, Newark or LGA? LGA. Yeah. And during that three-hour layover, I took a cab to McSorley's <laughs> and drank beer for two hours and then went to the other airport and flew to Spain. Have you ever seen a bartender carry that many beers no. at one time? No. <laughs> Do you know the story behind the sawdust? Uh, you know the sawdust all over the floor? Yeah, they just sweep it out at the they end of the night, right? Yeah. <laughs> This was like pre-mops, you know? Yeah. People would spill beer or throw yeah. up on the floor, yeah. and the sawdust would capture it all, and, and they just sweep, sweep it out. outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you go in there, the, the floor is covered in sawdust. Yeah. How about the chicken bones on the- Oh, um, the wishbones? Uh, yeah, the wishbones on the- So, on the, you know, those are from World War One. Yeah. The soldiers would go off, and then when they come back, they'd break the wishbone. Yeah. And the wishbones that are up there with like three inches of dust on them- Yeah. Are not uh, are soldiers that never came home. I mean, to that pull place their wishbone out. Yeah. yeah. Did you know uh, Houdini's handcuffs? Are yeah. In that? That's such dude. I've heard that. And then also the, uh, the was it the New York Rangers that broke the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. at McSorley's? <laughs> dude, I love that you know about that place. Oh, it's one of my favorite places in the world. I, know, I think it's my favorite bar in, in the world. I love it. Uh, yeah. I'll, and light and dark. They've so, got two two beers, light and dark. And and you order one. Yeah. I'll have a light. They give you two light beers. You, it, it comes in these two mugs. <laughs> yeah. And it's cash only. Yeah. Yeah. And the cash is just piled up on the bar yeah. at the cash register. They just like throw the money at the cash register. Oh, uh, that place is special. But I, those, those. So you're Germany or. Yeah. yeah. Germany in, to be just because I've been there most recently. You know, they've got one brewery in the middle of town and it's got two beers and it gives everybody in town the beer that they drink. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty inexpensive. They deliver it to you. It's almost uh, like it's like a staple like milk. Yeah, it is. It's it's exactly like the milkman coming and delivering it. Uh and it's pretty inexpensive. Right. Can we get there? Can we get at, like I always when I was living in Park Ridge, I was like, man, I wish Sawworks would drop off a a twenty four pack of beer at my door right now, and I would leave all the empties out, and they would pick up the empties next week, and they would deliver some more. Can yeah, we, can we get to somewhere like that to where to where I'm not drinking Stella Artois, I'm not drinking Dale's Pale Ale, I'm 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 just drinking my local beer. Like, how do we get there? <sighs> That's a great question <laughs> because I've actually fantasized for a while now about opening. A um, a bar, but not really a bar. I want to open a, a gamer bar, yeah. But not like like board games and card games, but also like drinking games and like yeah. literally just a house dedicated to people that like to play games. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if I ever do this, there's going to be two beers, light and dark, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I want to do that so bad. How do we get there? So I think a big part of that. There's two two factors here. One in Europe, and especially in Germany, there's such a founded tradition that you typically had this one brewery or two breweries of this town. That's what that person's does. That's what their family, that's their contribution to the community. Yeah. You know, there's an old German saying that says in wine, there is wisdom in beer. There is strength and in water there's bacteria. And so <laughs> the Germans always had this foundation that beer was, was to make water safe to drink. Yeah. So in the early 1400s, the brewer's role was health. I mean, yeah. we were, they were trying to create a, a product. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think that tradition of providing beer to everyone 
which requires everyone to drink beer and to only have a few breweries in the town and for it to be ingrained in their culture Mm -hmm. makes that possible. Gotcha. In the United States, you know, we have such a sort of religious background. Mm -hmm. It's taboo in a lot of situations to even talk about beer. Yeah. And so we have an issue, I think, with the idea of beer delivery because um, it, it's like not everyone drinks beer, mm-hmm. not everyone likes beer, not everyone's even okay with beer. I mean, our beer laws here, our liquor laws are so tight compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, some states are worse, but Tennessee has some pretty rough blue laws. But you do have some examples of this. In Wisconsin, there's a brewery called New Glarus, and every single person in Wisconsin drinks New Glarus. Yeah. And to the point that it's the only craft brewery in the United States that outsells Miller Coors in their state. Really? Yeah. So pretty in much in Wisconsin. In too. Wisconsin, yes. Right. So pretty much every state is AB InBev and Miller Coors. Milwaukee's no, a huge one like, and two. InBev town, right? Yeah, yeah. One and two. But in Wisconsin, number one's AB InBev, number two's New Claris, and number three's Miller Coors. And I love that. They've yeah. and New Claris does refuses to sell their beer anywhere outside of the state of Wisconsin. Gotcha. And so uh that's probably the closest example of that. I would love that. I know. Wouldn't be that great. be so cool? I would love I love the idea of sort of just like a town a town beer, you know? And yes. it's like and they just I I don't have a good answer for your question, but I'm too busy drooling at the idea of it's it. It's a great it's a great thought. It's I idyllic <laughs> somewhat. I know. Yeah. I love have you ever a uh, quick random side tangent? Have you ever yeah. been to the Billy Goat Tavern in downtown Chicago? I don't think so. So the Billy Goat Tavern was owned by the guy who uh, had a pet Billy Goat. He took him to every <laughs> Cubs game. And then the Cubs go to the World Series, and they tell him he's not allowed to bring his Billy Goat. And that's where the curse of the Billy Goat comes from. And he has this little place called the Billy Goat Tavern under Lower Wacker Street. It's impossible to find if you don't know how to get there. And it's the place that inspired the SNL skit for cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Yeah. No Pepsi Coke, yeah. right? You go in, you get a single, double, or triple. Those are your only options. They serve it to you on deli paper. You add your own condiments. And then when you sit down, a barmaid comes up to you, and you've got two options. Light and dark. I love it. It is a classic, classic place. Next time you're in Chicago, you got to check it out. Um, but I would love to see – I mean, I love the variety. I love yeah. the creativity of craft beer. I love the artistic expression. I mean, you know, we have all these wonderful brewers who are expressing themselves with these four ingredients that have a million variations. What are they? Uh, water, malts, hops, and yeast. Mm-hmm. And there's – I mean – Infinite amounts of ways to change the chemistry of water. With different strains of each one? Oh, yeah. Well, Well, with water. And then there's hundreds of variations of malts. I mean, think about, you know, it's almost like baking in that regard. And then with hops, there's hundreds of varieties of hops, how we use them, when we use them, how long we use them. And then there's millions of strains of yeast. And so we only have four ingredients, but an infinite amount of possibilities of how they're used together. Yeah. And it's really exciting to see all these breweries using them so differently and uniquely and the variety is sort of the spice of life, but it would be also nice to have some basic beers dropped off on my doorstep <laughs> like twice a week. <laughs> so do you think that, uh, I, mean, I, I guess I kind of know the answer to this, but <laughs> do you think that, that you're kind of uh, solidifying the brewing community or do you feel like you're, um, I don't know, kind of a, a center point that, that is a touch point for all the different breweries? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I think the best um, analogy is like we're the Switzerland of the beer community, and and we're sort of the neutral party because so so in the beer world, there's three tiers. Uh, there's there's a manufacturer, which is your brewery. There's your wholesaler, which is your distributors who have to distribute the beer, uh, which by law in the state of Tennessee you have to, to use. And then there's the retailers, which is your, your, you know, your beer and beer market, your casual pint, your hops and hollers. Gotcha. So in theory, all of the retailers are competing with each other. Right. The distributors are competing with each other. The breweries are competing with each other. This brewery doesn't like that distributor. This distributor doesn't like to hook up this retailer, this, right? Drama. Right. And yeah. then in the middle of all that is Knox Brew Tours, which can have a positive impact on all of the retailers on all of the breweries. And then the distributors don't really count because we don't sell 
beer and they don't sell us beer. But that's a really special role of a tour operator. And this is actually, I'm a member of a group called the Craft Beverage Tour Operators Association, uh, the CBTOA. Is that the international? (laughs) It's International Man of Mystery. You guys meet in Vegas every year? (laughs) Um, Excuse me. That's all right. Uh, Having a a beer. Um, (laughs) But we all talk about how we have a certain role and responsibility in the craft beer culture where we feel like we're kind of the glue, you know, we, we try to raise the tide, right. And the rising tide raises all ships. Mm -hmm. I mean, last year, 20, 2,800 ish people took our tour last year. It's crazy. That's 2,800 people that we brought through the doors of our breweries in Knoxville to try to teach them about their brand and their, and who they are and what they do and, and why they do it. And so there's a real, uh, it's something that I don't take for granted and that I think about often and feel very lucky to be a part of. But we're definitely sort of the the neutral party, the Switzerland, if you will, of, of the craft beer community. And so in, in that way, you get to know everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You get to know, and do you have your finger on the pulse for new stuff coming up and all that? Oh, yeah. But you guys also have to kind of make a... You gotta make yourselves known. You have to make a, a bit of a, a spectacle to get yourselves out there. And we talked about the um off air a little bit. We talked about the um the pride deal. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds really cool. So um that seems, seems like it's kind of blending your music uh kind of love yeah, and your beer yeah. love together. So um I'll get just a little deep here. You know, um it was two years just I guess a year and a half ago. And somebody asked if Knox Brew Tours wanted to participate in the Knoxville Pride Parade. Gotcha. And f- my initial thought was that we weren't going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Why? Because initially... Political or what? So initially, um, we wanted to avoid politics. Yeah. You wanted to involve d- taking a side on anything, yes. just Switzerland. Yeah, right. Switzerland. <laughs> But I spent a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time uh, talking with people that I care a lot about. And I ultimately decided that LGBTQ sort of issues are have become a political issue, yep. but they shouldn't be. Agreed. It, it should not be politics. Um, whether you support or don't support you know, gay marriage or whatever should not be a political stance. It's about humanity. It's about life it's about um loving one another and so it's about being able to do what what the hell you want to do absolutely and so i decided knox brew tours is going to participate in this parade because i want people to know that we exist for all people it's part of our mission statement it's actually in our mission statement that we um, provide experiences for all people period i wanted our team members who identified in that community mm-hmm. to know that they were loved and supported and cared sure. for. And, and so we did it. We had the bus in the parade. We had these awesome tank tops that were made by a wonderful person named Leslie Perez. Um, and I was so glad that we did the next year we went bigger and badder. It was so much fun. We had a great time. And then this year I want to, blow people away and just get even bigger. And I want to do a second line. So I want to get a group of brass instrument, instrumental instrumentalists like new Orleans. Like yes. I remember becoming yes. familiar with second lines. Yes. And, and I want to get a drum line. Yeah. And there's this amazing new Orleans jazz song called do what you want to. Who's that by a uh, rebirth brass band. Yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. And so yeah. they, the lyrics to this song are just like, uh, everybody needs somebody everybody needs some, you know, do what you want, do what you want. I'm all about that. And I feel like that message is so perfect for the pride parade. It sounds like it. And I want to bust around the corner there on gay street. It was just all the horns just blasting, lighting the city up and just spreading the love. Like, you know, love is love. And, and uh, I'm just really excited about it. So, so what are you going to do? You're going to have the bus come come by with with musicians just on surround- top of it, yes, surrounding just it? surrounded by horn instruments. Oh, that's cool. And if you can't play a horn instrument, like bring a tambour, like tambourine. Yeah. I don't know more. I don't. Well, just anything. There's be vocal parts, and uh, if you if you play, you know, trombone, saxophone, 
tuba, trumpet. Like, send us an email. We're going to have a couple of rehearsals. We're going to drink tons of beer, I'm sure, during both of them. Yeah. And our office right now is located just outside of the old city. So okay. we might just parade from our office all the way to the starting point, all the way down Gay Street. I mean, just... <laughs> It's going to be a total shit show, and I love it because um, it's important to me that everyone feels loved and everyone feels welcome uh, in our community in Knoxville, and especially on Knox Beach. Everybody Beach. deserves that. Ab- completely. You know? Completely. Everybody yeah. deserves to feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so, far be my, themselves. so far, one of my biggest regrets is not um, participating in that in that parade sooner. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. That's a really big deal. My parents live on Gay Street, and we go over there every every Pride Parade, and it's, it's out of control, man. It's so much It's fun. absolutely out of control. It is. When is it? June 20th, I believe. Okay. I think it's the third is Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, third Saturday in June. It's around noon. Yeah. And uh, so far, I've also... The only downside to being in the parade is you don't get to see all the other stuff. You yeah. only get to see what's around you, but it's yeah. okay. That's fine. Yeah. But we, um, you know, it's, I'm excited about it. That, that's one of the many things that we do at Knox Brew Tours where I sort of take, I, there's always this moment where I'm like, damn, I'm lucky. Like, I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah. You know, I can't believe that something that we created is able to have this impact. I mean, we were able this year with our anniversary party, <clears throat> we were able to, we did this amazing progressive beer dinner. Oh, that's fun. You we, were telling me about this. Yeah, we loaded the bus up and we went to five different breweries. And each brewery, we had a course, a food course paired with beer. And it was so special. And then we did our anniversary tap takeover where we you got a different beer every 15 minutes for like four and a half hours. Between those two events, we were able to raise $4,000 for Breast Cancer Research Foundation in honor of my Aunt Kathy, who I mentioned oh, man, earlier. That's awesome. And I'm just like... Standing there thinking all these people for their support and for being there and for giving back and just, I mean, I just feel, I just feel like, uh, I, you, you said the word purpose earlier and I feel like I kind of, this is it, man. Everything I've done in my life up to this point has helped me to do this. I mean, growing up in the restaurant business has helped me with the service industry side of this. I worked for party boys, mobile DJ company in college. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Dude, the party boys were who came to my like 12, 12 birthday party, 12 year old birthday party. Yeah. Um, every time I took my paycheck to the bank, it didn't say party boys, mobile DJ company on it. It just said party boys. Yeah. And they always looked at me like there's, you're a stripper. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, if you ever seen a male stripper with a beer belly, here you go. (laughs) Uh, it's it's a niche audience. Yeah, it's a very very niche audience. Uh, Knox Knoxville gets down though. Uh, but uh, you know the restaurant business helped me with the service industry. Party boys, learning how to play music not based on what I wanted, but what other people wanted, and how to use music as a tool to mm-hmm. sort of control a room. And then and then I worked at a church for a minute, uh, doing programming for a middle school program, and. Working with middle school children has prepared me so well for working with drunk adults. You have oh, no idea how much they have in common. Some some regression, or yeah, some, like, yeah. some uh, um, personality regression. There was a lot of event planning too when I had that job as well. Yeah, and then p- performing in a band and like the business, the music business, and also reading people and 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 managing expectations and like. You know, when I started Knox Brew Tours, I felt like I had this really strange and peculiar set of skills specifically for operating a tour, a brewery tour. And it just sort of felt like the stars kind of like aligned. And I, I, I wake up every morning and I pinch myself and say, this can't be real. When you talked about all the channels, man, the, do, do, yeah. I need, do I need to hit the, yeah. you know, the beer snob channel? Do I need to hit the funny guy channel? Do I yeah. need to hit the, you know... It, it's amazing that someone like you can find, uh, create their own their own path that incorporates all those channels in them. That's so strong, and I think that's you. It sounds like you found the perfect perfect thing. Yeah, I I I can't. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. So I've always wanted to be a fly fishing guide. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at fly fishing, Ooh. but I, but I love hosting people. I love, uh, you know, I, I love showing people around. I love 
it, putting people on a good time. I mean, it's always yeah. my favorite thing, and it reminds me a lot of a lot of what you Dude, do. Dude, I have an idea that you're gonna love. Yeah, I want to take a bus full of people up to the Clinch River. Yeah, and go fly fishing. Yeah, and then all the fish we catch. Yeah, we go to Clinch River Brewery, and the chef prepares a beer dinner with the fish we just caught. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you don't catch a fish, you get chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I love that idea in in you know, I in principle I love that idea. The the problem with the Clinch River is I have such a damn hard time catching fish on that river yeah, sometimes. And it's so freaking cold. Yeah, it is cold. I I love that river. It's it's the river that I fish the most of of any of them. But I kind of want all the fish that I catch to stay in there yeah, and not be eaten. That's true. <laughs> you know that's true. I mean? So you can catch them again. <laughs> yeah, so I can catch them. Well, maybe we just time. go fishing and then we just get trout from the trout farm. So there's a trout farm at Clinch River Brewery. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there? That place is special. I have been there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Clinch River Brewing. I'm a big fan of the Sheary family and oh, everybody yeah. there. They're yeah. amazing people. Yeah, they are. And they've done an amazing thing there. Yeah. And um, – I'll, I'll of course support them as much as I can. I'll support the Clinch River and then that watershed and and the Norris area as much as yeah. I can too, because that's a wonderful place to recreate. Yes, I agree. Yeah. They've got this little trout, you know, pond in the middle of the brewery. Yeah, and any trout that I guess like the wildlife area. Yeah, people, TWRA stocks it. I think. Well, any trout that they find that are injured, uh-huh. they'll take them to Clinch River. It's like them a in hospital. Yeah, like a trout hospital, which is super awesome and also kind of sad because, like, I was looking in there the other day, and there's this trout with just like a chunk missing out of its back. Yeah, it had gotten, I guess, attacked by a bird. A bird, yeah. Probably there's heron and yeah. all kinds of birds, hawks. Um, but Ooh. it's in a safe place now, so yeah, it's good. And they get they get fed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I've realized we've gone on a few side tangents for sure, like yeah. McSorley's and yeah. trout fishing. But that's kind of the way the craft beer world works yeah. a little bit. It's kind of ha- that's the thing I love about craft beer is it's sort of. It has its hand in everything. Yeah, it's never not welcome. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can get craft beer at a, at a concert, at a yeah, bowling alley, exactly. at a restaurant, yeah. at a, you know. A podcast. At a podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's, get you another let's one. get another one of these right here. A little up. So what's what's next for you? And and also, I want to. How do people get a hold of you? How can they help you? Because you help a lot of people. How can people help you? So uh, just visit knoxbrewtours.com. Yeah, we uh, we try to keep it really simple and, and make it clear what we do and how we do it and how yeah. you can be involved with it. You can always follow us. Um, I was very fortunate to get all of the social media handles locked down for Knoxbrew Tours. So yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Does pe- do people use Twitter anymore? Yeah, I think so. I okay. think people use well, Twitter. I don't use it, and I wish I did. Um, the president uses it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so, yeah, at Knox Brew Tours, KnoxBrewTours.com. But for us, um, what we're going to be focusing on this year is creating some different experiences that are sort of these, like what we're calling one-offs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a series of events that we're calling experiences. Um, more dad jokes. Yeah, I know. It's a more dad <laughs> joke. So next week or uh, just at some point, you know, because I know that this this may not this may not air this week, but um, at some point we're doing a beer geek tour where we're going to be doing a cell count under a microscope for yeast. We're going to be doing blind oh, taste fun. testing. We're going to do temperature taste tests. We're going to do a hydrometer demonstration. We're going to get real geeky and real in-depth with this tour. And and so that's something we're doing. We're going to be doing a hops and hemp tour where we're going to be partnering with Blue and Botanicals yeah. and doing a terpene, which is one of the sort of oils that you find in hemp. We're going to be doing yeah. a terpene and hops pairing. And is that like smoke CBD or yeah, like taste and it'll CBD include and, a and pair it with a beer? Well. Yeah, yeah cool. it's going to be really cool. Yeah. It'll be a smokable uh, ticket option and a non-smokable ticket option. So we want to do a bunch of cool stuff like that. We also are going to start doing a thing once a quarter called Sunday Fun Days where we go visit some of the breweries that are on the outer rim. So Clinch River, Blackberry Farm Brewery, yeah. uh, Orange Hat, who just opened up Where as are well. they? Orange Hat's in Hardin Valley. Okay. Or what we like to jokingly refer to as East Nashville. <laughs> yeah, that's what I call it too. <laughs> uh, we might have to get a hotel room in Cedar Bluff to make to break up the trip. <laughs> to break up the trip. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, you work out in that area, right? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. office is out that way. Yeah, yeah. I do the drive. It's 22 minutes from here. 
Yeah, but it's you know, okay. It's a good time to listen to podcasts. Yeah, it, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of what's next for us. We also cool. want to just create different and unique experiences. We'll probably do a new another progressive beer dinner this yeah. fall. So you're gonna keep the you're gonna keep the brew tours as the baseline, absolutely, and, and then continue to drop one offs. So yeah. So that's, our, that's awesome, man. Our, that's a really great yeah. idea. Yeah. We our our bread and butter is the what we call the original brew bus tour, and that's eighty yeah. percent of our business. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, did uh, Instagram. At Knox Brew Tours. Cool. Yeah. Instagram is the probably the best way to keep up with what we're doing. Yeah. We try to keep the things that we post on there very clear, straightforward, and to yeah. the point. Cool. Um, just kind of cool stuff that we're doing. And and also our loops. Our loops have been taken off. Where What's that? So the first Friday of every month, we drive our buses in a loop downtown. Mm-hmm. And all of the stops on the loop are, are breweries. And you can hop on and off wherever you want, whenever you want, as much as you want. Is it ticketed? It's 10 bucks. Okay. And 100% of the first Friday loop money goes to a charity. So every month we choose a different charity. That's awesome. And we donate all the money. And that's all possible because of Grayson Super who sponsors that event. Awesome. And then the second I bought Sunday. I a car from them. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Did you hear that, Grayson? Uh, I'll take blame for it after the fact. Um <laughs> And then the second Sunday of every month, we do a, a loop from Pretentious to Elstenback. It goes up and down Central. Okay. Sort of recreating the old Central trolley. Yeah. And then the last Sunday of the month, we do a loop in South Knoxville. So three loops a month? Yep. Three loops every month. And once, what, what's the South Knoxville one? It goes it goes um, the Riverwalk Garage, uh, which is across from Regal. Gotcha. Tons of parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So Riverwalk Garage, Honeybee, Highwire. Food Truck Park, Alliance, Print Shop, Trailhead, stops off at Sutry's Landing Park, so more parking. Yeah. Landing House, South Coast Pizza. That's awesome. And we drive in a circle from three to six the last Sunday of every month. And it's, that's fun. It's free to ride. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's, we just got a lot going on, man. It's we, fantastic. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, and I'm really thankful that uh, you asked me to be a part of this and to come hang out with you and to drink a beer and to to talk about what we do. It means a lot to me. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks, man. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Who? We. My man, Zach Roscoff. Thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by the shop. Uh, Zach chopped some wood in the shop right next to my, right next to the shop, right next to the fire pit when he got here. And, uh, it's burning right now. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it a lot at South of Scruffy on Instagram, South of Scruffy at gmail.com. Send me an email, say, Hey, let us know what we're doing. Right. Wrong. All that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Matt Honkinen, play me out. <laughs>